Letter twenty four of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty four miss clarissa harlowe to miss howe friday april fourteenth i will now give you the particulars of a conversation that has just passed between mr lovelace and me which i must call agreeable it began with his telling me that he had just received intelligence that my friends were on a sudden come to a resolution to lay aside all thoughts of pursuing me or of getting me back and that therefore he attended me to know of my pleasure and what i would do or have him do i told him that i would have him leave me directly and that when it was known to everybody that i was absolutely independent of him it would pass that i had left my father's house because of my brother's ill usage of me which was a plea that i might make with justice and to the excuse of my father as well as of myself he mildly replied that if we could be certain that my relations would adhere to this their new resolution he could have no objection since such was my pleasure but as he was well assured that they had taken it only from apprehensions that a more active one might involve my brother who had breathed nothing but revenge in some fatal misfortune there was too much reason to believe that they would resume their former purpose the moment they should think they safely might this madam said he is a risk i cannot run you would think it strange if i could and yet as soon as i knew they had so given out i thought it proper to apprise you of it and take your commands upon it let me hear said i willing to try if he had any particular view what you think most advisable tis very easy to say that if i durst if i might not offend you if it were not to break conditions that shall be inviolable with me say then sir what you would say i can approve or disapprove as i think fit had not the man fine opportunity here to speak out he had and thus he used it to waive madam what i would say till i have more courage to speak out more courage mr lovelace more courage my dear i will only propose what i think will be most agreeable to you suppose if you choose not to go to lady betty's that you take a turn cross the country to windsor why to windsor because it is a pleasant place because it lies in the way either to berkshire to oxford or to london berkshire where lord m is at present oxford in the neighbourhood of which lives lady betty london whither you may retire at your pleasure or if you will have it so 
whither I may go, you staying at Windsor, and yet be within an easy distance of you if anything should happen, or if your friends should change their new-taken resolution. This proposal, however, displeased me not. But I said my only objection was the distance of Windsor from Miss Howe, of whom I should be glad to be always within two or three hours reach of by messenger, if possible. If I had thoughts of any other place than Windsor, or nearer to Miss Howe, he wanted but my commands, and would seek for proper accommodations. But, fix as I pleased, farther or nearer, he had servants, and they had nothing else to do but to obey me. A grateful thing, then, he named to me, to send for my Hannah as soon as I shall be fixed, unless I would choose one of the young gentlewomen here to attend me, both of whom, as I had acknowledged, were very obliging, and he knew I had generosity enough to make it worth their while. This of Hannah he might see I took very well. I said I had thoughts of sending for her as soon as I got to more convenient lodgings. As to these young gentlewomen, it were pity to break in upon that usefulness which the whole family were of to each other, each having her proper part and performing it with an agreeable alacrity insomuch that i liked them all so well that i could even pass my days among them were he to leave me by which means the lodgings would be more convenient to me than now they were he need not repeat his objections to this place he said but as to going to windsor or wherever else i thought fit or as to his personal attendance or leaving me he would assure me, he very agreeably said, that I could propose nothing in which I thought my reputation and even my punctilio concerned that he would not cheerfully come into. And since I was so much taken up with my pen, he would instantly order his horse to be got ready and would set out. Not to be off my caution, have you any acquaintance at windsor said i know you of any convenient lodgings there except the forest replied he where i have often hunted i know the least of windsor of any place so noted and so pleasant indeed i have not a single acquaintance there upon the whole i told him that i thought his proposal of windsor not amiss and that I would remove thither if I could get a lodging only for myself and an upper chamber for Hannah, for that my stock of money was but small, as was easy to be conceived, and I should be very loath to be obliged to anybody. I added that the sooner I removed the better, for that then he could have no objection to go to London or Berkshire as he pleased, and I should let everybody know my independence. He again proposed himself in very polite terms for my banker, 
but i as civilly declined his offer this conversation was to be all of it in the main agreeable he asked whether i would choose to lodge in the town of windsor or out of it as near the castle i said as possible for the convenience of going constantly to the public worship an opportunity i had been very long deprived of he should be very glad he told me if he could procure me accommodations in any one of the canon's houses which he imagined would be more agreeable to me than any other on many accounts and as he could depend upon my promise never to have any other man but himself on the condition to which he had so cheerfully subscribed he should be easy since it was now his part in earnest to set about recommending himself to my favour by the only way he knew it would be done adding with a very serious air i am but a young man madam but i have run a long course let not your purity of mind incline you to despise me for the acknowledgment it is high time to be weary of it and to reform since like solomon i can say there is nothing new under the sun but that it is my belief that a life of virtue can afford such pleasures on reflection as will be for ever blooming for ever new i was agreeably surprised i looked at him i believe as if i doubted my ears and my eyes his aspect however became his words i expressed my satisfaction in terms so agreeable to him that he said he found a delight in this early dawning of a better day to him and in my approbation which he had never received from the success of the most favoured of his pursuits surely my dear the man must be in earnest he could not have said this he could not have thought it had he not what followed made me still readier to believe him in the midst of my wild vagaries said he i have ever preserved a reverence for religion and for religious men i always called another cause when any of my libertine companions in pursuance of lord shaftesbury's test which is a part of the rake's creed and what i may call the whetstone of infidelity endeavoured to turn the sacred subject into ridicule on this very account i have been called by good men of the clergy who nevertheless would have it that i was a practical rake the decent rake and indeed i had too much pride in my shame to disown the name of rake this madam i am the readier to confess as it may give you hope that the generous task of my reformation which i flatter myself you will have the goodness to undertake will not be so difficult a one as you may have imagined for it has afforded me some pleasure in my retired hours 
when a temporary remorse has struck me for anything i have done amiss that i should one day delight in another course of life for unless we can i dare say no durable good is to be expected from the endeavour your example madam must do all must confirm all the divine grace or favour mr lovelace must do all and confirm all you know not how much you please me that i can talk to you in this dialect and i then thought of his generosity to his pretty rustic and of his kindness to his tenants yet madam be pleased to remember one thing reformation cannot be a sudden work i have infinite vivacity it is that which runs away with me judge dearest madam by what i am going to confess that i have a prodigious way to journey on before a good person will think me tolerable since though i have read in some of our perfectionists enough to make a better man than myself either run into madness or despair about the grace you mention yet i cannot enter into the meaning of the word nor into the modus of its operation let me not then be checked when i mention your example for my visible reliance and instead of using such words till i can better understand them suppose all the rest included in the profession of that reliance i told him that although i was somewhat concerned at his expression and surprised at so much darkness as for want of another word i would call it in a man of his talents and learning yet i was pleased with his ingenuousness i wished him to encourage this way of thinking i told him that his observation that no durable good was to be expected from any new course where there was not a delight taken in it was just but that the delight would follow by use and twenty things of this sort i even preached to him taking care however not to be tedious nor to let my expanded heart give him a contracted or impatient blow and indeed he took visible pleasure in what i said and even hung upon the subject when i to try him once or twice seemed ready to drop it and proceeded to give me a most agreeable instance that he could at times think both deeply and seriously thus it was he was once he said dangerously wounded in a duel in the left arm bearing it to show me the scar that this notwithstanding a great effusion of blood it being upon an artery was followed by a violent fever which at last fixed upon his spirits and that so obstinately that neither did he desire life nor his friends expect it that for a month together his heart as he thought was so totally changed that he despised his former courses 
and particularly that rashness which had brought him to the state he was in and his antagonist who however was the aggressor into a much worse that in this space he had thought which at times still gave him pleasure to reflect upon and although these promising prospects changed as he recovered health and spirits yet he parted with them with so much reluctance that he could not help showing it in a copy of verses truly blank ones he said some of which he repeated and advantaged by the grace which he gives to everything he repeats i thought them very tolerable ones the sentiments however much graver than i expected from him he has promised me a copy of the lines and then i shall judge better of their merit and so shall you the tendency of them was that since sickness only gave him a proper train of thinking and that his restored health brought with it a return to his evil habits he was ready to renounce those gifts of nature for those of contemplation he farther declared that although these good motions went off as he had owned on his recovery yet he had better hopes now from the influence of my example and from the reward before him if he persevered and that he was the more hopeful that he should as his present resolution was made in a full tide of health and spirits and when he had nothing to wish for but perseverance to entitle himself to my favour i will not throw cold water mr lovelace said i on a rising flame but look to it for i shall endeavour to keep you up to this spirit i shall measure your value of me by this test and i would have you bear those charming lines of mr rowe for ever in your mind you who have by your own confession so much to repent of and as the scar indeed you showed me will in one instance remind you to your dying day the lines my dear are from the poet's ulysses you have heard me often admire them and i repeated them to him habitual evils change not on a sudden but many days must pass and many sorrows conscious remorse and anguish must be felt to curb desire to break the stubborn will and work a second nature in the soul ere virtue can resume the place she lost tis else dissimulation he had often read these lines he said but never tasted them before by his soul the unmortified creature swore and as he hoped to be saved he was now in earnest in his good resolutions he had said before i repeated those lines from rowe that habitual evils could not be changed on a sudden but he hoped he should not be thought a dissembler if he were not enabled to hold his good purposes 
since ingratitude and dissimulation were vices that of all others he abhorred may you ever abhor them said i they are the most odious of all vices i hope my dear miss howe i shall not have occasion in my future letters to contradict these promising appearances should i have nothing on his side to combat with i shall be very far from being happy from the sense of my fault and the indignation of all my relations so shall not fail of condign punishment for it from my inward remorse on account of my forfeited character but the least ray of hope could not dart in upon me without my being willing to lay hold of the very first opportunity to communicate it to you who take so generous a share in all my concerns nevertheless you may depend upon it my dear that these agreeable assurances and hopes of his begun reformation shall not make me forget my caution not that i think at worst any more than you that he dare to harbour a thought injurious to my honour but he is very various and there is an apparent and even an acknowledged unfixedness in his temper which at times gives me uneasiness i am resolved therefore to keep him at a distance from my person and my thoughts as much as i can for whether all men are or are not encroachers i am sure mr lovelace is one hence it is that i have always cast about and will continue to cast about what ends he may have in view from this proposal or from that report in a word though hopeful of the best i will always be fearful of the worst in everything that admits of doubt for it is better in such a situation as mine to apprehend without cause than to subject myself to surprise for want of forethought mr lovelace is gone to windsor having left two servants to attend me he purposes to be back to-morrow i have written to my aunt harvey to supplicate her interest in my behalf for my clothes books and money signifying to her that if i may be restored to the favour of my family and allowed a negative only as to any man who may be proposed to me and be used like a daughter a niece and a sister i will stand by my offer to live single and submit as i ought to a negative from my father intimating nevertheless that it were perhaps better after the usage i have received from my brother and sister that i may be allowed to be distant from them as well for their sakes as for my own meaning as i suppose it will be taken at my dairy-house offering to take my father's directions as to the manner i shall live in the servants i shall have and in everything that shall show the dutiful subordination 
to which i am willing to conform my aunt will know by my letter to my sister how to direct to me if she be permitted to favour me with a line i am equally earnest with her in this letter as i was with my sister in that i wrote to her to obtain for me a speedy reconciliation that i not be further precipitated intimating that by a timely lenity all may pass for a misunderstanding only which otherwise will be thought equally disgraceful to them and to me appealing to her for the necessity i was under to do what i did had i owned that i was overreached and forced away against my intention might they not as a proof of the truth of my assertion have insisted upon my immediate return to them and if i did not return would they not have reason to suppose that i had now altered my mind if such were my mind or had not the power to return then were i to have gone back must it not have been upon their own terms no conditioning with a father is a maxim with my father and with my uncles if i would have gone mr lovelace would have opposed it so i must have been under his control or have run away from him as it is supposed i did to him from harlow place in what a giddy light would this have made me appear had he constrained me could i have appealed to my friends for their protection without risking the very consequences to prevent which setting up myself presumptuously as a middle person between flaming spirits i have run into such terrible inconveniencies but after all must it not give me great anguish of mind to be forced to sanctify as i may say by my seeming after approbation a measure i was so artfully tricked into and which i was so much resolved not to take how one evil brings on another is sorrowfully witnessed to by your ever obliged and affectionate clarissa harlowe end of letter twenty four